Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Weather's changing. I want to make sure that everybody understands this is the time of year now to start getting your heat systems checked. We should have our systems checked twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall. And, you know, we're starting to get into that season where we're going to start using our heaters a little bit at night. Not a lot, but, you know, we do use them. Make sure you get it checked, especially if you've got a gas system. You've, you've got to make sure that you don't have any issues with it. And it's, it's as, as much an energy efficiency thing as it is to get uh, just a, a safety check. And so I, I just really want to encourage you, regardless of who you use to do your service maintenance on your air conditioning system, it's that time of year to get it done. So, Gary in Fort Worth, what would you like to talk about? Hi, Jim. Hey. Hey, I, I've got an almost 90-year-old house with hardwood floors, no subfloor, and I'm wanting to insulate underneath there. I've been looking at spray foam. Wanted to know if that's what you would recommend, and if so, would you go open cell or closed cell? Absolutely closed cell, and that is the only insulation I would ever recommend in a crawl space home. Uh, all these okay. other insulations hold moisture against the wood and cause decay to happen. And I, I guess my first question is, you got a 90-year-old home, why do you want to change it now? Because my feet have been cold for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got these amazing fuzzy slippers I love to wear. That yeah. It just keeps my toes <laughs> nice and warm. And they, and, and I bought a really good pair. I spent $80 on them versus 8000 for insulation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to spend 8000 for insulation, but uh, I was hoping to have the house more comfortable. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing, uh, and, and I just want to give you a quick cautionary note. A 90-year-old house, how many layers of, do uh, you got a subfloor and then a flooring on top of that, or just the one layer? No subfloor, just hardwood. Yeah, yeah and see, there, there's a two-fold problem that I, I want to make you aware of. One, when they spray the insulation, it's very possible as the, the insulation expands that you may get some of it come up through different cavities that are open to the underneath. Mm -hmm. uh, the other issue that has occurred on some of these homes when you insulate underneath them, you've changed the way uh, the wood is kept dry with air circulation and stuff. And it can mm -hmm. cause your wood floors to cup. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, well, right, now, with, right now, the way I it's built, it's built to ventilate and stuff and, and you know, keep the moisture from causing any problems. So, And, and, well, and, that's, and that's the reason I recommend if you go with a closed cell, you know, you're not letting air through it any longer. The air conditioning system will still keep the inside dehumidified. And that minimizes any issues that you might have, but uh, that's and that's the reason that that's the only one I recommend. Okay. Well, I was thinking actually open cell because I was thinking if you ever had a water leak, it would run through and be able to not hold it like a swimming pool. It, it does run through, but it holds it like a sponge. 
so it, it doesn't dry out where the closed cell doesn't hold any on it at all. Let's head over to Mesquite and Alan, this is Jim. How can I help you? Good afternoon. I'm anticipating replacing my uh, air conditioning system, and, and I presently have a heat pump in it, and it's it's been doing very well for the last 16 years, and I'm late getting on up in years, and I just want to go ahead and replace it so I will never have to re- worry about it maybe in the future. And I have heat, uh, gas already in my utility closet, but I was wondering why you chose the propane over electric heat. And uh, I, know, I understand that you just put that in at your home. And, and uh, I understand, you know, some of the things that it used to be, I used to have gas heat. You have, when the gas heat would come on on the furnace, you would have the blast of hot air. Right. And then, uh, but I understand now they have the gas furnaces that are staged where you yes. won't be. And is, do you think that's more beneficial than the, than the, uh, the, uh, the heat pump? Yeah. Well, uh, here's the reasons I went with it. I've had my house for, I'm coming up on 18 years now, and I've always had the electric heat. Um, for the last 17 years, I had a heat pump as well. And it it worked fine, but it dries you out uh, tremendously because it, it's a really, really dry heat. The okay. gas heat won't dry you out quite as bad as the electric heat does. Uh, but i tell you, my biggest factor is... It's more comfortable to me than electric heat. And after we had the storm last winter, I will not get caught with my pants down again and not being able to keep my house warm. So electric heat just takes a buttload of electricity. Uh, sure, the heat pump is, is very similar to running an air conditioning system, but uh, when when it gets as cold as it did last winter, it converts over to strip heat which really runs the electric bill up. With the gas heat, I'm going to put a generator on that will be capable of running the blower, so even if the power goes out, I'm not going to be worrying about heat again. Well, you're right along the same lines I am. I'm pleasantly uh, pricing the uh, generator sets. Yep. And and I have, of course, I have natural gas in my house, so I can run it off of natural gas. And uh, so I, you know, I'm going to do a twofold purpose there, because I can downsize my generator if I go with gas heat. Exactly, and that's and that was one of the things I looked at. And quite frankly, if I had the option of natural gas versus a heat pump, there is no question I would go with natural gas. Well, thank you for your information. I was just, uh, I just kind of needed to be a reassured way I was thinking. Yep. It's better. Not a problem. You take care, Alan. Donald in Missouri City. I have a really big problem with little blind snakes getting into an outside wall through the brick weep holes and getting into the ceiling and coming through ceiling fans or vents. Nobody knows anything about them. So I'm thinking, number one, 
plugging up the weep holes. Number two, removing drywall at the top of the wall and trying to seal the top of the wall. And number three, moving. <laughs> I hope you can help me, but snakes are only about four inches long and thinner than an earthworm. Black in color. We had over 40 of them this year. They come out in August and September. This has been happening every year, but this year was far worse. That's horrible. That that uh, Look, there, there are these little snake-looking things. It kind of looks like a cross between a snake and an earthworm. And that's what it sounds like you've got at your house. And I do not recommend that you close up the weep holes. If you want to put some steel wool in those weep holes, that would keep that snake from wanting to crawl through there. Uh, and that would solve your 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 uh, problem, I think. So that's what I would do is just buy me some steel wool that doesn't have soap on it, just some plain steel wool, and pack it into those weep holes because that's going to allow the water still to weep through, but it's going to make it where nothing's going to want to crawl through there and get cut up by that steel wool. And like I say, I think that'll take care of your your issue. So give that a try. 1-800-28... Oh, uh, one more thing. On yeah, sheetrock off and trying to seal at the top, uh, when the sheetrock is put on, it's usually pretty much sealed up there anyways. Uh, but where they're typically probably crawling through is where the wires are because they're able to follow the wires up the wires have a hole that's drilled through the top plate and come out so if you want to go up in the attic you can probably see where the wires go down and just use some of that great stuff uh, spray foam to spray in there and seal that up and i'll probably take care of that issue without having to tear sheetrock out we're going to head to denton and susan this is jim how can i help you well, hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a question about kitchen remodeling. I have okay. an older home. It's uh, about 100 years old, and I think the last time it was remodeled was in the 50s. So I need help with design because it has a very awkward layout, three doors leading into it, and it's not that big of a space. Right. And that was a very common problem in the 100-year-old house. <laughs> you know, and truthfully, the... Houses that were from 100 years ago, a lot of them still had outside kitchens. You know, we're kind of going back to outdoor kitchens, uh, thinking uh-huh. it's something new. But a lot of older homes had a small kitchen inside and did a lot more of the cooking outside. Um, so here's what you're going to run into. Typically with a, a house that's 100 years old, all the walls have one by six on them. And yeah. so it's all solid wood. Uh, makes it real easy for changing things and, and uh, you know, hanging things on the walls and that. But it does make it a little difficult when you want to expand out and stuff because you do have a lot more wood to deal with. Uh, how big a space do you have? Do you know what the measurements are of that kitchen? No, I'm sorry, I don't. Um, maybe, no, I couldn't even guess. Okay. Um, there are... Uh, cabinet places that actually if you can take the measurements of the kitchen and get it in detail to where all the doors are and stuff like that the doors the windows everything they'll help you do 
a new layout for it. Uh, and that's ver that's almost any place that sells cabinets uh, can do that for you. There is uh, two places in particular that I have used in the past, and one of them is called Cabinets to Go, and the other one is uh, Seconds and Surplus. They actually have a, a people on their staff that do a great job on doing layouts for for kitchens. Terrific. And of course, if you wanted to, you know, talk with remodelers, they typically have people as well. But uh, those two places, you really wouldn't have to talk with any remodelers. You can go in, sit down with them on their computer program, get some good ideas, and then decide what you want to do. Okay. Well, that's a good place to start. Thank you so much. You bet. You take care. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. 1-800-288-9227. That's one 800 9227 Oh, there's one other place. I've never used them myself, but I understand that IKEA actually has uh, people who will uh, work on kitchen layouts and stuff and they sell some kitchen cabinets as well but uh you know that that's not someplace i've ever shopped for cabinets or anything mark this is jim how can i help you hey jim enjoy your show Thanks. Um, jim i was gonna ask you about cleaning a tankless hot water heater what information do you have or where could you guide me to um look into cleaning my tankless hot water heater and how often should that be done? Is that something a plumber needs to do or can a layman like myself do it? What, what's your thoughts on cleaning a tankless hot water heater? How, how old a tankless is it? Uh, it's It's been cleaned by the guy that owned the house for the last six years, so the thing would be seven years old. Okay. And, and I asked that for a specific reason. Uh, when you go back, oh, about five years ago, the tankless water uh -huh. heaters changed. Prior to that, uh -huh. they were supposed to be cleaned every year. And it is okay. supposed to be a plumber who comes out and does it uh, because you've got to hook up some some things to flush it out and, and stuff. Uh, but since then, in the last five years, almost all the manufacturers, in fact, all of them I'm aware of, have changed their design where it no longer needs that. Uh -huh. And so you just leave them alone and don't really have to do anything. What they were doing uh, prior to that, though, was just cleaning out and any scale buildup and stuff like that. So the other thing that makes a difference on that is if the house has a water softener or not. Because if it has a water softener in it, there's actually nothing to clean in that tankless water heater uh, because you're, you're already taking all the minerals and stuff out of the water that would have caused the buildup. So if you need to get it cleaned, you typically do want to call a plumber because, like I said, you got to hook up gauges. You'll see on, on the top of them that there's a place where you can uh, hook up other tubes and stuff for flushing them out. Okay. And that's basically what they have to do. All right. Now, all right. with well, all that being said... Tankless water heaters are recommended that they get flushed every 6 to 12 months. The uh, or A tank type, rather, recommends that. The tankless had it set for once a year. I personally never mess with water heaters at my own house, um, the, the, the tank ones or the tankless. 
and really mm. haven't had any issues with it. Um, it's one of those things that they'll tell you, well, if you want to maintain the warranty, this is what you have to do. You're probably out of the warranty period already. I, yes. would, leave, I yes. would leave it alone. Okay. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Jim. You bet. Take care, Mark. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, and... And and that's really what it comes down to is it was used, I think, for a long time as a way to, well, you didn't keep it flush, therefore it's not covered by the warranty. Uh, you know, flushing that water heater had nothing to do with the fact that the seam blew apart. What we're dealing, doing when we're flushing out water heaters and stuff is just flushing out the sediment. If you've got a tank-type water heater and you let it go more than two years, without flushing it out, you are done. You don't need to bother trying to flush it any longer because uh, you've already built up sediment in the bottom. You're not changing that at that point. Uh, with the tank type, I mean, really, it's just a pipe that flows through there. It's not going to be any different than the rest of the pipes in your house. And like I said, especially if you've got a water softener on your home, you really don't need to worry about flushing out anything. It'll it'll take care of itself. Going out to Sugarland. Hello, Stephen. Hi, sir. How are you doing? Uh, just uh, two two questions for you. One relating to uh, fence and one relating to a patio. Okay. The fence question is that I had my fence replaced about uh, three years ago, and I purchased uh, the fence ticket myself at Home Depot, and I recall it was cedar. But however, um, the fence now it looks very old and gray. Yep. Whereas we had other pickets that are cedar um, that we build something else and it's still very fresh and new why, why is that well all of cedar is gonna as it ages going to turn gray unless you put something on it like i always tell people use ready seal because that keeps it looking uh gorgeous um but if you just leave it out to the sun and exposed to the weather it will turn gray in age now you can clean it up by you know, using some bleach and water, little pressure washer to clean it up, and then put Ready Seal on it, and it'll make it look like new again. Okay. Um, the next question is that relating to the patio, is there a difference between if I were to build a uh, a patio or deck that they go into the house versus they build four posts and it's a standalone next to the house? Is, is there is there a pros and cons for that? Are you talking about for a cover? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, well, if you build one that attaches to the house, as the house moves a little bit up and down, and they're all going to move up and down a little bit, the cover stays with it. Now, the downside is you got to make sure that the flashing is done right. Otherwise, it's going to leak where it attaches onto the house. Typically, when you have the four posts and the cover is not attached to the roof, it's up above the roof, and so when, when it rains, the water comes down the roof and still onto your patio. So I typically like to tie it into the roof so I don't have the water still coming down on my patio. Great. Thank you very much, sir. You bet. Take care. Brian, how are you? Hey, hey, how are you? Thank you for uh, taking my call. You bet. What, what I have is a... Uh... I want to rip some carpet out and put this uh, like a wooden vinyl floor, but the problem is it's a little not as deep as uh, my tile. Right. So I don't know if uh, if I need to grout, uh, put some grout in there to level it or not. 
what you're going to find is on your uh, floor, uh, first thing to do is check, make sure it is nice and flat. I mean, most concrete has some little waves and ups and downs to them. And so you'll probably want to put some floor leveler down. And if, if that's the case, you can bring that edge up a little bit and get it to the height that you need it at. But you're going to want to be real careful that you spread that way out if you're going to ramp it up to that tile height. Uh, because it will show if if you do it on too short a span. And, and yeah, I'm telling you, the, even the, if the it's tiles, three, four feet, that's too short. Yeah, because the tile is like a quarter inch, and the stuff right. I'm getting is almost like a three sixteenths or something. Yep. It's a, it's a industrial uh, stuff. It's not like a regular tile. It's uh, uh, plastic-like. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, uh, but do it, I need to glue that do I need to glue that edge down cuz I want it to be smooth where you just have no transaction there. I don't want no little pay or a piece of strip to go on top of it. You're going to need some type of strip there between the two floors <clears throat> because your tile's really? not made. Yeah, your tile is not made to be open on end like that either. If if you look at the edge of it, uh it's it's going to it's it's not a nice flush clean look that you want visible so you can like i said you can float it up with some uh uh floor leveler and everything but reach it way out into the room uh and i guess you could butt the two up against each other and just caulk it but you got to have something between the two they're they're not uh whether you use caulking or some type of uh transition piece there's, there's got to be something otherwise you just boom switching over and the linoleum that you're putting down and that's what it is is a linoleum plank uh yeah it it, it won't do well to the traffic okay yeah because i've have a i have an open area and that goes into the kitchen and then i have a big landing that when you come in it goes to the frontal dining room and then my living room's got two columns in it because it's like a 20 by 20 living room okay, so, so it's, you, a, it's a big area yeah you got plenty so of room to float it out then all right. Well, thanks for that. Do you have any suggestion what kind of float I can use? Oh yeah, they, they just use a regular floor leveler. They make a synthetic floor leveler that uh, any flooring place will have it. All right. Well, I guess I need to buy me some knee, uh, knee pads and get my sixty-four year old body <laughs> down on top of that thing. How old? I am sixty-four. Well, you, I, I, when you've been talking, I would have guessed you to be somewhere around thirty. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely look young, too. I, I still work. I'm, I'm planning on working until at least seventy. So. Wow. Well, definitely get you some good knee pads. I'm, I'm gonna give you a little, a uh, little advice on the knee pads. Don't cheap out on those. Get good ones, uh, because the cheap ones they start cutting on the backside of your legs and uh you know then and get the trowels for spreading the glue because that's going to make all the difference in the world and it, it, they're easy to put down those floors are okay i yeah i have the trowels for the uh cheap rock i guess that won't work no you you got to have the ones that's got the teeth in them so, so all right I, out I, a I, ridge. Got, I think i got some of those too okay all right well thank you very much sir you bet take care this came in from Daryl in McKinney, and uh, he says, I have a crack in my granite countertop right in front of the sink. 
Can this be repaired? I'm having a hard time finding someone to do it. I want to get it fixed before it completely breaks. Well, I will tell you up front, most companies will not try to repair a cracked granite countertop. Uh, I know of one company, they have one guy who does repair work. And whether they still got the guy, I'm not sure, but Stone Age Granite at 972-276-9943 is the place to try and uh, talk with them. You'll make sure they still have the guy who can do it. But let me tell you up front, you, if you see a crack on the surface, you can bet it's all the way through. Because the granite's thin enough, you know, it, it, it doesn't have any room for it not to go all the way through. Now, is that the kiss of death for it? Absolutely not. I have seen this guy in uh, videos of him repairing uh, granite countertops, and I, I was simply amazed. I'm not sure. Well, I am sure. The reason other companies don't do it, one, they don't want the liability. Two, it's very time-consuming to do the repair because basically they have to fill in the gap and then they have to go back and dot in each little spot where there's a color change. And each spot has to be custom mixed to match what's there. Otherwise, it stands out like a sore thumb. And so that's the reason most companies just don't get into doing that type of repair. Vanessa, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Love the show. Thank have you. a question. Uh, I'm a little bit older in, in my years. I'm a homeowner, but, you know, I find little things around the house that just need to be fixed. Is there someone in this area, companies in this area that I can find, you know, I just need a handy guy, handy gal to kind of help me around? Uh, I have a, right now, several issues, but one is my dog uh, loves to sit on the curtains, and I have custom curtains in my dining room, and now that custom rod is halfway out the wall and a big hole in the wall. So things of that. Yeah. Well, there are handymen. In fact, there there's a, a company called Handyman uh, that ha- is kind of a franchise-type system. I personally have never had any experience with them or used them, but I know that they're out there. Uh, typically, though, if you're looking for one in your area, go to the local uh, like hardware stores and lumberyard-type places. And they'll usually have a bulletin board that has uh, cards on it that have the uh, handymen in the area. And and you'll just have to check out a couple of them by calling previous customers. Wow, that's a great idea. Just referral once I find uh, someone in my area. Yeah, because most of those handymen, they, they stick very local. There's not a reason for them to travel around a lot. They'll get a clientele list, and that's who they work for. Okay, I just don't know what company to call for that type of thing. And I think if you get so many little, you know, I'm going to call them honeydew projects yep. around the yeah, you just need so, you just need a little help every now and then. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, like I said, start at the bulletin boards at the uh, hardware stores and lumber yards. They, they usually have postings for them. Okay, sounds great. I appreciate you. You bet. Take care. And, uh, you know... Used to be you could look in the green sheet and stuff like that, but I don't know that they're even that the green sheet is even out there with them anymore. Uh, but like I said, a lot of times what happens is these handymen they'll they'll end up getting a client list and 
you know, the, they stay busy just working for those few people. David in Parker, how can I help you? Hi, Jim. I got a question for you. So we've been aired a home and some property in Parker, um, and it needs some foundation work. If we do the work, we're going to totally redo the home, shell it and redo it and, and add square footage. So I guess the question is, is there a rule of thumb of when it's worth it to preserve what's there versus demo and just start from new? And by preserve, are you talking about the finished products or just demo the whole house? Demo the whole house or, okay. put, you know, the $25,000 worth of uh, foundation work that's needed and then sure. you have to support the new addition that we'd put on. Yep. You know, the, the issue right now uh, is, again, back to that cost of lumber and stuff. Uh, it is much cheaper to rebuild what you have than to demo it down and start over again. Um, you know, the cause not only do you have the cost uh, of the rebuild, but you got the cost of tearing down what's there first. And that adds to, to the, the bill. But the cost of lumber is so darn high right now that it, it, it really makes it where unless you've got a foundation where you got to pick the house up, take the foundation out from under it and pour a new one, it's typically going to be cheaper to, to go ahead and fix it than to start over. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that answers the question. I appreciate that. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.